Welcome to BeastNet. You've tuned in to a special episode dedicated to the Sober Spartan. These episodes are an extension of the Facebook group Sober Spartans. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of the host and guest and do not necessarily reflect any policy or position of anyone but themselves. Show guests share their stories openly and honestly. Some will remain anonymous, some will share their names. Please be respectful of the privacy of those who wish to remain anonymous. Hey everybody out there in Beastnet land, we got Sir Boggs of More Heart Than Stars on the horn today, talking with Amanda from Silver Spartans and uh, and More Heart Than Stars. Um, you know, recently there was some big news with her at the race at Fayetteville, and we'll get into that here a little bit later. But uh, for those who don't remember you, let's uh, let's reintroduce you, Amanda. Tell everyone who you are and, and what got you where we are. <laughs> All right. Well, my name is Amanda. Um, some people know me as Amanda Kelly on social media. Um, about me. Um, I'm just an everyday person who is, loves Spartan racing. Um, and a, about two years ago, three years ago, three years ago. Um, well, shoot, even longer than that. Handful of years ago. Um I had been attending a bunch of Spartan races and uh, meeting people on the course that were, um, that are sober and like me, I've been sober now for 17 years, um, April 15th, 2005. Um, And I realized there's a lot of folks out there that use Spartan racing as their way of kind of dealing with a lot of the stuff, you know, that goes along with, being in uh within addiction whether it's uh you know alcohol or drugs or even just behavioral addiction um so i thought you know i'm just gonna make up this tiny little like group that i could just friend request all these people that i'm meeting that are also uh sober and that do spartans or ocr in general and it turned into me and a couple people into a few more people and a few more and now um we've got a pretty good uh solid group of people uh i'm on the east coast we got people on the west coast um i want to say we even have a, a couple that are in canada um that are now members of the sober spartans and so sober spartans is my baby but it's literally there uh for nothing other than support um camaraderie uh we meet up at 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 spartan races um you know if anything just to have kind of a safe space so um we do we haven't been doing them as much just because uh some of us admins have been a little busy but we usually do uh weekly meetings and uh we don't necessarily have to you know it's not the traditional hi i'm amanda i'm an alcoholic it's more of a Hey, what are we doing this week? How are we training? How are we, you know, how are we feeling? How are we applying the two, you know, to each other? Um, so yeah, that's pretty much my gig. What else <laughs> you want to know? <laughs> uh, you know, Silver Spartans, uh, when I found that it was at a good time. Um, myself, I'm five years sober. Congrats. <laughs> five years in five days to be exact right now yes sir but uh you know i found the found the group at just the right time because you know going into into covid the group was just starting to grow and then with the covid shutdown many people returned back to drugs or alcohol Mm -hmm. and at that point i know that's when when you and jessica really stepped up the number of meetings and the online, you know, community and just talking daily, posting things. And, you know, it was really helpful even for myself to get to get through COVID and mm-hmm. have a safe place to go because, you know, the regular meetings were all shut down. You couldn't just yep. walk in and sit down and, you know, hey, I'm done. I'm an alcoholic. Nope. You just kind of sat there and stared at the mirror. And mm-hmm. that a lot of people back into it, unfortunately. So now, 
we need to be there to be that beacon of light, that hope, and uh, hopefully people will reach out to us. I know that every time I post one of these episodes where we talk about it, I always post all the hotlines and yes. all the info, but you know, you can always reach out to me or Amanda or um, Jessica, um, our West Coast admin, um, or just anybody in the group. I don't think there's anybody that uh, that'll say no, or if they don't know Absolutely the answer, I'll find someone. Right. Absolutely. Uh, we're all open. I always say I have an open inbox. Um, sometimes if, you know, if really needed, I'll pop my phone number in there and you're welcome to call. Um, it's, we are just there for each other. I mean, there's no sort of like clout or celebrity that goes with this. This is just support. We are here, however, you know, needed. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you putting all the phone numbers. We need them. We need to have those plastered everywhere, you know? So. And then, uh. I saw an article, I need to find it again, where they, they actually talked about the substitution of running for addiction. Uh-huh. And, uh, I need to find that again, because it's definitely true for, for myself and for a lot of other Spartans, you know, even even my best friend, uh, Pretty Mike, you know, he was deep in a bottle and, and got addicted to running and now he barely drinks. He still drinks, but it's responsible, something I could never do. Mm. You know, someday, someday maybe I'll be in the ground and then they can pour some alcohol on me and then maybe I won't absorb it. Who knows? But uh, yeah, that's unnecessary. <laughs> and I, I had somebody be like, they're like, Hey, let's go have a beer. I'm like, yeah, if I have that one, you'll never see me again. Yep. And you know, yep. that's the truth of it, man. That's true for a lot of us, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, no way. I'm can't do it. I, and you know what? I will say I, I am okay with being, I don't want to say just okay with being around it, but for my, for my people that have chosen to still drink, you know, socially, as long as they're, you know, whatever, I don't, I don't mind if it works for you and it, and it, and it, it's help, like you can do it in a healthy way. I just can't do it in a healthy way. You know, if you can go and have a beer or two at dinner, then I'm not going to judge you. And I'm not going to be one of those folks. that's like, you know, if, just there's so so many of us that we can't do that and i know for me (laughs) stepping stepping off course as a newly sober person five years ago and you fit cross that finish line and they used to actually hand out beers at the finish line at some of these Uh events and i was like oh gee thanks for the beer what do i do with this now nope yeah yeah it's kind of cool now that they get the drink tickets where you can get a fit aid, I guess, instead of a white claw. But, but, uh, you know, I've never done that. Those. Now I need to do that. I don't even do that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been that? missing out. <laughs> yeah. You get I literally, when I get, white. when I get my packet, I literally take out all the things and I throw the drink ticket. I don't even, I used to, when I first started racing, give it to people. And then I was like, yeah, cause I started seeing people that were accumulating you know, people's tickets. And then, then we drive home and I'm like, Oh, I am not contributing to that. No way. <laughs> so anyway, I just throw them away, but now I can get a fit aid, huh? Yep. Hey, just take Don't it up know. to the same, to the same booth where they're handing out the beer and you say, I don't want a beer. And they get you something fit aid or uh, I think I, there's a juice or something. I had one of them, but yeah, it's a whole lot better than alcohol. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So you and I have been talking online for like three years, uh-huh. something like that now, and almost three weeks ago we finally met. <laughs> we uh, we got a little crazy. We went out to Fayetteville, North Carolina, and decided that doing an ultra beast was a good idea. <laughs> now, it's a great idea. <laughs> myself when I signed up it was like all right I'm signing up for this and I'm just going to push my body do what I can you know and get mm-hmm. through it and then about a week before the event I get a text from Joey hey we're we're taking two wheelchairs through you want to be on crew I'm like well shit yes son I'm on that you know even if we don't finish just to be part of it was was going to be something I was going to be part of and uh and then I get down there and here you are on crew also <laughs> um, I know you've done ultras in the past. 
if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, that, that was my first live Spartan Ultra. And for you didn't I didn't know, know that? that. I didn't know that. Now I've got a bad habit. I'll do a bunch of stupid stuff with long distance running, and we did the virtual Spartan Ultra. And I was supposed to do the Dallas Ultra last year, and I got COVID about two weeks before the race. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, I was supposed to be volunteering at a marathon the weekend. I found out I had COVID, and everyone's like, "Oh, you're just backing out." It's like, no, 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 I'm I'm sick, and so I spent a, a week and a half isolated. Um, and I just, I was not in the condition after that to, to go do Dallas. Mm-hmm. So blindly, I just asked Joey, what's the next flattest course? And he told me Fayetteville. So mm-hmm. Fayetteville it was. Perfect. Uh, so we were on two different chairs, though. So we have two different stories about how everything mm-hmm. went down there. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to kind of tell your story <laughs> about how things went? And then I'll kind yeah. of chime Well. I would like to preface the story with kind of a prelude like you just gave me, because I feel it necessary to say that I've done, you know, I've done ultras, Spartan ultras before. So I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, that's kind of really all I really want to do is distance, which is stupid, but you know, whatever. So, um, but at the end of last summer, I was at West Virginia uh, doing the trifecta weekend and the very last race, the sprint on the last descent, I fell and I broke my tailbone. And so, um, doctor was like, you can't do anything for several months. I kind of feel like I deconditioned a little bit physically, but then I also got COVID and, um, and then I started having like long COVID symptoms. So any, so long story short, when I started running again after I got uh, signed off on being able to, I I had deconditioned a lot. Um, and so I had this like ultra code and I was like, what am I gonna do with this? And I said, screw it, I'll go to Fayetteville. It's the only one that fit into my school schedule. All right, cool. I'll sign up for this because I'm stupid and <laughs> I'm gonna just do it. And I put a lot of pressure on myself and was really beating myself up for a whole lot of months, worried that I was uh, not going to be able to do it. And I was going to do it by myself. Right. And then I want to say it was like mid April, I get a message from Joey and he says, Hey, are you doing the ultra? I said, yes. He's like, do you want to be on a chair? And it was so bizarre, the automatic like flipping of the script that I had been so internal in my head, beating myself up about, oh my gosh, will I be able to do the twister? Oh my gosh, will I be able to, you know, X, Y, and Z? Um, All of a sudden, my entire focus for the race just shifted. And it was the, all of a sudden, it was like, I couldn't wait. I was so excited. You know, and I did tell Joey, you know, I'm not as fit as I had been but I had all the tenacity because I knew I just wanted to get Erica over the you know finish line and that shift was the precursor to this whole new shift that I have now with racing that I'm so grateful to have and I'm I went into this race looking at Erica as like you are it you are my focus you are my (laughs) so going into it was fantastic um so I just wanted to kind of get out of my own head and 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 um focus on her and so there yeah walk going into Fayetteville weekend um shoot uh where to start um I can say that the very the night before the first race was fantastic because um Although I had gone alongside more heart than scars in races prior, this was my official race, uh, first race, because all the other ones were like, I was just there and I was a substitute. And, you know, so um, this was the first time I'd been able to spend the weekend with people and actually go to like the pre-race 
night before meal and all of that. So sitting in with that was just amazing and so uplifting. And there's so many good people that I got to meet finally after just, you know, talking to them online. One of which was you. I got the biggest hug in the parking lot and it was fantastic. And it was a long time coming. And um, so, you know, going into the weekend, it was already just super good feels, you know, and everyone was excited about what we were going to be able to accomplish and do. Um, There, you know, there were a few naysayers I'll say here and there that were just worried about whether or not we could do the whole course. Um, but it all in all, it was good feels, right? So going into it Saturday morning, um, I was scared, but I was so excited <laughs> standing at that, at that start line, um, you know, hearing, um, Oh, I can't remember his name, but the, the announcer, you know, talking about what kind of history was you know being made by even attempting an ultra with a wheelchair athlete you know or or uh one leg with the above the knee amputee I mean that in itself I was uh, you know tearing up and it was it was something um once we got out on course you know we, we tried to stay with everybody at the beginning um obviously everyone ended up having their own pace uh for us you know it was myself joey erica and jonathan so it was just the four of us and um once it got to like just be the four of us i think we really got into a really awesome groove for the first couple miles but we were only a few miles in and we realized that one of the erica's chairs wheels was flat I think it was just hitting all the roots. Um, so we debated what we were going to do. And for whatever reason, we didn't have a full on, you know, fit, uh, wheel kit um, with us. So we were like, what do we do? And we said, you know what we do? We just push on. <laughs> so we went a good, um, I want to say it was 10 out of the first 15 miles of lap one with a flat tire. And, um, I don't know if anyone has ever, you know, ridden a bike with a flat tire, but that's really hard. It was not the easiest thing to do. Right. So. No, um, I've, uh, I've been on course. I've been on course before with a low tire and just trying to keep the wheelchair going straight will drive you nuts because it's constantly yep. pulling one direction. Um, yep. For those that are listening that don't know what a regular chair crew looks like, um, for More Heart Than Scars, there's usually seven to nine people on chair, and you guys went out with four. So that meant that one, well, including the athlete, I guess five. But <laughs> No, there was just four of us total. Four of us total. Just, okay. It was just, so including we the had athlete, it was four. athlete, we had Joey was on break in the back. And then Jonathan and I, essentially, we were what they call a pony, which is um, we basically just had ropes without any harnesses or anything. We were just holding ropes with our hands, just our grip strength, and we were pulling. Uh, we didn't have, usually they ha there's what's called a horse, which is directly in front of the chair and is kind of what you would think it would be. I mean, it's literally like a horse on a cart it's it's you know that person is harnessed in uh with a with a uh i'll say it's not a belt but like a chest piece essentially that's yeah. made specifically to pull uh we didn't have that we just had jonathan and i on the side and joey was pushing and erica was helping you know best she could when she could uh with the you know pushing the tire or, or wheeling herself but with a flat tire, that was really difficult, too, because she wasn't able to do as much. And um, Joey was having a really hard time pushing, yeah, with the yep. uh, with that. And uh, I will say, Jonathan and I, we ended up a good few miles in kind of making adaptations. So I would take the, the, the rope and I was wrapping it around my waist 
and like cinching it. So my waist is being, you know, cinched by this rope. <laughs> and, um, and then by the angle of it, a, I don't know how to explain this really well so people can visualize it, but um, the, the rope was pulling, depending on which side of the chair you were on, on your hip because that's where the force of the wheelchair, you know, is. And so you're running or walking kind of cat with your hips tweaked. For well, you're, you're, having, you're having to pull the, the wheelchair straight, basically, right. while you're doing that. Yeah. You're pulling so, to the side mm -hmm. while the other two are going forward. Correct. So, um, and we ended up kind of being in the front. So we kind of were like modified horses. We just yeah. didn't have anything um to harness this in i ended up holding the rope directly in the small of my back and just keeping my arm back there just to hold it just so that at least it was in the center of my back so my hips were straight because after yeah. several miles it just it, it got to a point where it was like okay we'd have to swap off so that our our the sides of our body were essentially even as the miles went by um so yeah, that, that in itself was something I had never, we were pulling a wheelchair for 30 miles, yeah. you know, um, without proper harnesses, but anyway, um, but yeah, so usually there would be, I, I just went on a tangent. I'm sorry. Usually That's there right. would be at least five people, including the athlete. And we were just down to four. It was just the four of us. Um, and usually you would also have two additional ponies carrying ropes and mm -hmm. you have somebody carrying a gear bag and depending on the athlete, somebody carrying a harness. That's why mm -hmm. I said you have up to, to nine people on one chair and there you guys are with four. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's why you didn't have a, a spare end or two or anything because it was in the gear bag. And yeah. I was, Joey and I were, were talking about that and kind of kicking sand because least we could have done was picked you know made a small gear bag with a pump and a a tube or something but just kind of didn't think about it so I guess next time we'll do that right <laughs> yep well this was a learning this was just a learning opportunity for all of us so I, <laughs> next ultra will be much yeah. more planned <laughs> thought out right right yeah. um so so 15 miles you get back to camp yeah well I will say also in that first lap, um, things were looking good. I mean, we were, we went through, um, you know, several water crossings, including um, the ultra loop. And for those that don't know, it's a, you know, the, the ultra is two laps on a beast course, but to get the adequate miles, they make what's called the ultra loop, which is an extra like two to five miles, I guess. Um, yep. And so on the first lap, we're on the ultra loop and I knew it was coming because I had done Fayetteville Ultra the year prior. Um, there's a section that is literally chest, like, like waist mid on me. It's chest because I'm short, uh, deep of this like nasty mud muck root filled thing <laughs> that we had to go through I don't even know how to explain it but um it, you know it was waist high um super thick um the bottom was covered in roots and logs and ankle breakers and we had to pull a chair through that and uh we took Erica through her she was at least half submerged her wheels were submerged in that portion yeah. Um, but we, we got it, we got her through and, uh, we, we, you know, that was the first big hurdle on the, um, well, the tire was a first, then that would, I would say would be the second. Um, the third big thing that happened on, on lap one was, um, it started raining and Fayetteville is notorious for being hot. Right. And it thankfully wasn't as hot this, this, uh, go around because they bumped it into May. It wasn't in the middle of summer, but it was still really hot. Well, out of the blue comes this rainstorm that's cold. I don't understand. I, I have no meteorologist experience, but that was 
a like weird out of the blue kind of thing. I I I don't know. Rain, well, okay. Old rain was weird. It was a straight it was a straight downpour of what must have been upper atmosphere rain because it was just it was almost like the clouds just opened up like a big old sprinkler or a shower head just mm-hmm. pissing down on us and it was not warm at all. At all. Yeah, it was I was already sunburned, I think, at that point. So that made the the cold water even colder. And <laughs> at that that point I was in the uh the last two miles um where you're in that forest. It was just dark and I swear it was two miles of uphill to to get back to the barn. But yeah. uh, that's where I was when that hit. And and I'm sure you guys that stuff made everything just that much stickier. Yeah, it was uh, that we were in the last couple miles of the first lap too. Um, I think we were behind you. We had to have been behind you. Yeah, because um, we all caught up right there at that transition. You actually yeah. caught up to each other. Talk for a minute. The biggest concern at that point, though, was not even our grip or the mud. It was Erica's uh, temp- body temperature. So she has a difficult time regulating her body temperature. And um, she, that cold rain hit her hard. So she was um, shivering. Like, I was actually worried that we wouldn't be able to go back out. Honestly, she, she looked miserable, but more of like, just didn't look well. Um, and she yeah. was also having having some flashbacks to one of the most notorious and awful races of all time, the uh, Spartan um, North Carolina yep. Ultra in 2019. <laughs> so uh, she, she, she was really the beast, and that was that yeah. beast was her only DNF. Yep, that was one of the roughest. Yeah, yeah. So she was she was really triggered by that mixed with her actual like body kind of revolting by you know dropping its temperature so when we got into transition it was all about okay what are we going to do to get her warm get her straight and then how are we going to take care of this tire right so um you know we had her we had her in a poncho um she had on a long sleeve uh i think jacket i, I can't remember off the top of my head but um so we got her kind of straight, but we made the decision to swap out chairs. So um, for those that don't kind of know this part, the um, one leg was going out like a beast um, on his uh, blade, but we had a chair for him just in case, which I think you're going to go into all this later, right? <laughs> um we took a chair out for him just in case he needed it. Well, so he didn't want to take it out the second lap. So at that point we are like, well, we'll take that chair and we'll use that chair for lap two. Um, There were a lot of differences between the two chairs. You know, there weren't proper handles for Jonathan and I to be able to pick up from the front. Um, There was a kind of different, uh, there's, you know, the, the wheels were all just different. It, it, and Erica couldn't help push, too. Is it time for a commercial for a break? Is it time for a commercial break? That's going to be. <laughs> Do you like the BeastNet? Do you want to keep hearing it? Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more, at BeastNetPod. So what I was saying was that the Grit Freedom Chair is a, a great chair for somebody who's self-propelled. But for, for our function, it is out of the, the three chairs that I've been on, it's the worst. Mm. And, uh, you got to experience it when you went out on lap two. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, my experience is it likes to steer where it wants to go. Mm-hmm. Diet hilling is impossible in it without an extra body. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had that problem with Erica where you guys got to that side hill and just wanted to throw her down the hill. Uh, I- that chair wanted to throw her out quite frequently. I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of situations where she was um, basically turned around and trying to hold the back just so she would stay in the chair. 
Um, yeah. We also had a lot of, we had issues because uh, we weren't pulling up on the front wheel. So anytime the wheel, you know, we were going downhill, the wheel would just go straight into the mud, you know, and we didn't have to do that with her, her with Excalibur. So. Well, and, and on lap two, after transition, you guys started out with that chair. Yeah. And then something went wrong with that one and you had to get a third chair involved. We ended up well, with every single chair out there, didn't we? No. Well, so I don't know if it was the same area that um, caused damage, but we ended up having a second flat tire, um, you know, and the terrain wasn't horrible, but there was a lot of like little, you know, uh, roots sticking out or little branches, or there's, you know, a, that one, um, there's a under a bridge crossing where it's all rocks. And when I say rocks, I'm talking about like two by three boulders that are all sharp and you know you have to cross like a 20 foot area of just rock rock yep. and i know uh, i you know i don't know if we hit something on that i i don't know what happened but we got another flat tire and we all three were like nope that chair was not nearly as easy to push or pull with a flat tire so <laughs> we tried and we tried and we made it maybe a half mile um, and we stopped and we were like, okay, what are we going to do here? At that point, we were not, you know, we had gotten out of transition in time. Yep. Um, we didn't hit any of the cutoffs. So anyone that doesn't know this, you know, Spartan Ultras or most Ultras will have cutoffs um, at certain points just to make sure you're not on course for two days. Um, we were really trying to beat the cutoffs and um, we had already lost time due to the rain and the, the first wheel, the flat wheel. Um, so we were like, all right, do we want to try to go on a flat tire or should we go get the other chair or should yep. we, should we run and, and get stuff to fix this chair or should we run back to transition and get the chip. Those are the three options. So as we all sat down, we kind of had a little, you know, a little, uh, you know, employee meeting and we were trying to figure out what we were going to do. And we decided it was best if Joey and Jonathan would take the chair back to transition and either fix it or fix the original chair and bring that back to us. And meanwhile, Myself, who I am a nurse, so if there's someone to have on a trail with you, I suppose it's good to have a nurse. Uh, so uh, myself and Erica were just kind of sitting off the side of the trail <laughs> um, for, I don't even know how long. I had no concept of time at that point. She and I got some really good quality girl time waiting, but um, Joey and Jonathan ended up adding... Um, more than two miles to their mile uh, count for the day by going back and they actually uh, fixed the wheel on the first chair and brought that back to us. And at that point, I'm pretty sure we were one of the last people on course um, bring, kind of bringing up the end. We were we were struggling at that point, um, but we got, we got Erica back in the chair right around that time too. Um, we, I think it was like the sitting um, and really being able to kind of absorb what our bodies were feeling. Um, at that point, I noticed Erica was really getting uncomfortable Um we didn't really talk much about it. She doesn't like to tell people when she's hurting and when things are going wrong for her. Um, but I could tell that there was something going on. And uh, we were, ultimately what was happening was she was starting to bruise. Her tailbone was starting to bruise from the, the jarring on the wheelchair. Um, you know, you can, you can move around and, and, and in a chair, then offload 
But when you're sitting in the chair straight for, at that point, we were at like, you know, 18 miles or so, you can get some really nasty kind of pressure injuries, you know, and then you throw in any of the jarring and it's just insult to injury. And with the flat tire on lap one, you lost the extra shock of the rubber yes. air. Yes. And that's one of the things that Eric and I talked about was that was really rough on her, the extra impact of bouncing off the rim constantly. Yep. And, you know, like, like I said, she doesn't like to complain and, and tell us, you know, I mean, she's honest. If you ask her and she'll tell you, she doesn't hide it, but she doesn't volunteer when she's in pain. And, yep. but, but even still, I, I could tell that something that she wasn't quite into it. Um, I don't say into it, but she, you could tell that there was something going on. No. Um, yeah. So that was happening. So we um, ventured further um, with the, with back into her original chair, which I know she appreciated. And at this point, then we had two functioning wheels. So she had, you know, a little more cushion. Um, but we did slow down at that point. Yep. Um, mm. so, so, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say one thing that people who don't go out on course with a wheelchair, um, when you're with a wheelchair, if you're pushing real fast and hard for time, you're also not picking her up and setting her down very softly because you're pushing for time, which yep. is also very, very jarring. Um, you know, I've been on course going slow. I've been on course going fast and, and just one or two hard drops can jar an athlete and, and with her being in pain, I'm assuming you had to slow down partly from that, partly because your body's probably getting cold because you hadn't been moving in, in a half hour or an hour with Joey to run back and fix the, the chair. Yeah. We, um, I, I will say, thankfully, the terrain was kind of rough around where we had to stop so that when we got back, you know, at it, we weren't running. We were yeah. um, maneuvering and still using a lot of muscle and, and, you know, still a challenge, but at least it wasn't a full out like run. And I will tell, you know, for anyone that wants to know, we did run with the chair and uh what percentage of it is probably still a low you know it's probably like 20 percent of the race was running um because you had to to get those cutoffs so i know i had a lot of people ask me did you guys actually run like yeah you you know any straight or flats that we could we were running and so thinking of that too when you're running you're just running you're not necessarily thinking about your cargo and how um smooth of a ride your cargo is having you know and and erica she's a champ she just stuck with it and was, you know a few times she's like ah you know but she's she's a champ so um the second that second lap we had a few challenges too because we were behind and there, there's a, my very first ultra, I had a difficult time and I was trying to beat the cutoffs and there were some obstacles that I made the choice to either not do and just burpee out or even do, I wasn't doing age group, but you know, I, I would do less than my 30 burpees, you know, and, and I know a lot of people make those kind of modifications when they race. Um, that very first time I, I had to do that, I felt so guilty. I thought, did I actually earn, you know, this ultra medal? And after a lot of retrospection, I did. And so going into this, we knew that there was a chance we were going to have to make modifications. Uh, we didn't want to unless we had to. Um, and so when we got to a certain point, in this second lap, you know, we kind of had the discussion of what 
you know, are we going to make it? What can we do to make sure Erica gets the best experience that we can maintain as much integrity as possible, um, but do it all in a safe manner, you know? And at that point, like I'd mentioned, Erica was really struggling. Uh, she was bruising. Um, and we knew that ultra loop was going to be something that was not safe because having gone through it the first time, it was not safe. Uh, we kind of just barreled through it the first time. We were not going to be able to barrel through it the second time again. So we made the choice to basically cut out the ultra loop, the second lap. Um, there was a lot of debate afterwards about whether or not that was a fair choice for us to do that. Um, I tried to rely on my own personal experience and how I rationalized it and how I explained it to people that, you know what, everyone's race is different. Every race is different. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but uh, we did it. You guys, faced op you guys faced obstacles that nobody else on course faced that day. Yeah. And, and as I recall, there was the, the Spartan tail, the guy that was, you know, post running it and bringing up the tail basically helped you guys in making that decision that it was a spot that you needed to, yep. to bypass from yep. Spartan. Yeah. And my personal yep. experience running with more heart than scars, generally the only time that, that I've bypassed a section of course is when a race director or somebody from Spartan looks at us and says, it's unsafe to take the chair there. because we're not going to risk our athletes. Mm -hmm. well-being and on a second lap of an ultra starting to get colder and darker and you guys are not in the condition you were on the first lap you know the spartan rep probably made the right call in, in suggesting you guys not do that because mm -hmm. you had the big downhill you had the culvert run you had the the big side hill that came in there there was a lot of a lot mm -hmm. of obstacle to that ultra loop that that would have put you guys past the cutoff times and, and would have quite possibly done some, some harm to Erica being that late in a race. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. We're always going to make the right call for the athlete's safety. And that's, uh, that's what was made. Yeah. Um, any, any exactly. out there, I'll throw my shoe at you because <laughs> nobody else faced the obstacles that you guys faced that day. Nobody else has even tried it. Yeah, that's that's the craziest part when you think about it is, is this is all new territory. So totally new, totally new. Yep. And you know, I knew in the moment that it was going to potentially cause you know some people might think, eh, is this okay? But I firmly believe that we made the right choice, one hundred percent. And um, you know, I knew how I was feeling, and um, I knew how Jonathan was feeling, and we both had our own struggles and at that point I didn't want to I didn't want to be a reason that maybe Erica would you know would something would happen aside from the terrain itself you know we were getting tired and it just we knew our limits and that was just that was the the, the game day choice and we did have uh one of our or Jonathan one of the members uh he he ran it. So we did at least have one member do the entire second lap. Um, that way it tracked all 34 miles. That's yeah. And that, yeah, that way it wasn't a DNF and that way it wasn't, we could at least say part of our team did it all because we all felt like crap. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I mean, we all wished we could have done it. We all wished that the situation was um, not as painful for Erica or not as uncomfortable or unsafe or as muddy because that rain had come through too. Like we had gone through the ultra loop the first time and in the time between that first lap and then us going the second lap, we had a huge amount of rain dump that would have made it even that much more unsafe. So yeah, I mean, we, but we still, because we are racers at heart and because we are, you know, we want to do the best we can and make the best choices we were upset that we didn't do it so Jonathan was like I got it and so he did it so at least we had that piece that that 
made us, I think, all feel a little bit better. Um, so anyone, too, that saw us, at one point, we were kind of sitting off the side of the uh, race course, uh, Joey and myself and Erica, uh, where we were just kind of hanging out. And so we were like the cheerleaders for everybody coming through because they, you know, we we're on the side and we're waiting for Jonathan. And so we got to have a lot of good conversation, a lot of people who looked like they needed some morale boost and we gave it to them best we could, you know, some encouragement. So I feel like we kind of gave back to in that time frame that we weren't just sitting around. We were like really genuinely trying to help even in that time of limbo that we were in. <laughs> um, yeah. Completing any 31 mile plus race is an accomplishment by itself. Completing it with a wheelchair, you know, even if you missed that two mile loop on the second one, it's still 30 plus miles off road with a wheelchair. And nobody can take that away. That's, uh, that's something that's just amazing. I think so. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. But that is not to take away from the fact that you did it too. So <laughs> if you have, if you don't have any other questions about my go around with it, I would love to hear. So my go around, mm -hmm. I was on chair for support for the one leg beast. Now being on support for him probably would have been a lot different if, if uh, the conversations at dinner were a little bit different than they were the night before. But uh, <laughs> essentially somebody challenged one leg that he couldn't complete it without getting in a chair. And so he made it his personal vendetta to prove that person wrong. It doesn't matter who you are. If you say, Brian, one leg can't do something, He's going to prove you wrong. And <laughs> so after pushing and carrying and finagling that first lap with a wheelchair that was empty, a wheelchair with somebody in it is one thing. With it empty, you know, you, you're still having to carry it. And it was the three-wheeled chair. So every time we hit mud, I pick up the front. And, and the people that were there in support of us ended up needing support. Um, one of the gals had been in a, a car accident the day before and she was still out on course trying to do an ultra for her very first Spartan. That was also her first Spartan. She'd never done a Spartan before. Are you she's serious? Doing an ultra. I'm serious. What? Yeah. She's like, Hey, I'm going to sign up for an ultra. Okay. <laughs> sure. had, she not, had she not gotten an accident the day before, I think she'd have finished. I mean, she made it to transition and out on, on lap two. And then she just, her, her hip and her back were just at the point she couldn't go anymore. But back to lap one. So lap one, we're doing it all with the wheelchair. And we're following one leg. And anytime we would stop or anything, he would just keep going because that's how he does it. And, you know, we'd be there to help him change out his bandage or bring him fresh water or whatever he needed for doing that. And, and then at one point, I don't remember what happened, but something happened. And we ended up stopping for a few minutes. And, and one leg just kept going. And then all of a sudden, when we got close to transition, um, there's the part where you go up the hill towards festival, and then you turn around and come back through dunk ball and all that. Mm -hmm. One leg's already coming down the hill back towards us. He's like, oh, no, you give me the chair. I'll take the chair back. And just being hilarious about it because he was already a half mile ahead of us. <laughs> and, and, you know, at that point, he was adamant he was not going to sit in that chair. And, and that created the situation where we left the chair transition for you guys. But later in the day, it created another situation where, where one leg wasn't able to go out on Sunday because out there on one leg and a blade for 34 miles is just amazing. I don't even know how to, how to describe it, but he finished it. Mm -hmm. and, and it hurt him bad, but he finished yeah. it. And, and that was because he made the decision. He was going to show the haters wrong. Didn't matter who it was. He was going to prove them wrong. And that's what he did. Yep. Uh, yeah. You talked about how on that second lap, you know, maybe skipping an obstacle here and there, man, I tell you, there was everyone I could see when we got that late in the day, like they were barely doing a squat or two at obstacles. They looked like 
some of them would just sit down like they're going to go down and do a burpee and just stay down. <laughs> more and more people going off for medical later and later in the day because it got hot again. And, mm-hmm. and that just uh, that kicked everyone's butt. Um, at one point, we were out there. Um, Emma, after being out there for so many hours, and I think we were 26 miles in, she couldn't read her own Fitbit anymore. She thought that it was her heart rate that was increasing when it was her active workout minutes that was increasing. And it got her into a panic. And we happened to come across one of the Oscar Mike runners. It was the nurse. And she took a quick pulse and said, yeah, your pulse is really high. And so she, she called for medical. And medical came. They didn't have any equipment with them, though. So they didn't check her pulse. They didn't do anything on course. They took her all the way back to the medical tent, checked her out, said there's absolutely nothing wrong with her. And then they went ahead and took her back to where she was on course because medical didn't have the proper equipment. They let her finish the race. So here we are. It's just me and Tammy, you know, kind of kicking rocks, upset that we lost. Oh, and, and uh, Preacher, he was there too. But, uh, but we... We were just kicking rocks because we lost Emma, and she was like the one thing we we're going to get through this race. And as we're approaching uh, approaching the end there, where you can see festival, here she comes, just running. Guys, guys, I made it! They put me back on course, and she's just hauling. And this is 27 miles in that she got this this new energy and actually ran to catch all the way back up with us and finish the race together with us. And you know that first first lap through like you said before the rain hit it was it was yucky after the rain hit everything was 10 times harder you know the the mud there's the as you come off of a bucket carrier it was bucket carrier there's that long mud that was the same thing similar to the ultra loop where it was chest deep in places and roots and just nastiness and you know emma at one point was like up to her neck in it from falling over and but that was the fun part is we were all back together as a group and finished. Um, you know, my story, I'm sure I'll go into great detail sometime on that race. Um, I just, I hate doing anything that's over 20 miles and I keep signing up for stuff that's over 20 miles. You know, on, on Facebook, I just posted the other day, I had a memory show up from uh, when Virginia and I did a 50 miler. Um, we started out with a big group of people, and then by the end of the night, it was just Virginia and I that finished. And I was like, you know, after doing this ultra, I think I can do better. So I posted up, who wants to go do another 50-miler with me? And I had a couple of people raise their hands, so we're going to go do another 50-mile race because we're stupid. Uh, <laughs> that is so awesome, though. No. <laughs> It'll just be, you know, it'll be, there's a local park where we can do, we got two parks to choose from. One that has a five mile loop that we can do, or one that has a nine mile loop. Um, It sounds like they kind of wanted to do the nine mile loop. But what we did last time was you go out and you do a loop, you come back, you nutrition, you know, that way you don't have to carry all of your stuff, like a traditional Mm -hmm. uh, 50 miler. Because if you're doing a 50 mile trail race, you're carrying all of your equipment, Mm -hmm. you're carrying your food. You know, for, for a lot of these people, it's our, our first 50 miles, you know, or in my case will be my second 50 miler, but still, you know, I, I'm not the fastest guy. I am a, a bit of a, a mule. They just throw heavy things on me and I carry it. But <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why they love having me on course. With more heart than that's spot. fantastic. <laughs> Keep giving me stuff. <laughs> but, well, uh, that's a, you know, my, my, my skill is that I'm not fast, but I don't know when to stop. I guess that's that whole like yeah. eh, attic thing. I don't know. I don't know when to stop. So I just keep going and going and going until I like fall out. So that's we exactly have our, what I do. We have our skills. <laughs> and that's probably left over from our addictions. Just keep going until we fall out. Because yep. before you know, I would drink until I fell over. So now I just uh, I run and I push my body body until I fall over. But that's so uh, awesome. other than that. And then uh, after the ultra, um, Emma, Tammy, and I, in a group conversation, we're just kind of talking about, 
well, you know, we didn't do this obstacle or we didn't do this, you know, yes, we got the mileage in, but, but could we do better? And, uh, and we all agreed we could do better. And, and Emma, Tammy and I, and anybody else that signs up from that group, we're already signed up for Fayetteville 2023 to go and do it better. You know, at the, during the race, Emma was sitting there. I'm never doing this again. I'm never doing this again. I'm never going to do a race this long. Forget this. Not going to do it, you know. And then the next morning, she's already, I can do it better. I did it once. I know I can do it better. It's that post-race euphoria and hysteria. <laughs> hysteria. Hysteria. See, I, didn't, I didn't get that because, you know, somebody reached out to me again about a week before the race and said, Hey, I'm going to be out there with my wheelchair. Can you, uh, can you do the super with me? And I had no intention when I flew out there of doing an ultra fecta. That was not my plan at all. I was going to come out, <laughs> I was going to do the ultra. And if I felt up to it, I was going to do the sprint. Mm-hmm. And I got, then I got a message. Mm-hmm. Hey Don, I want you on my chair. And again, it's always team before self. So got out the duct tape. <laughs> put my feet back together and went out for two more races on Sunday. Cause why not? Why not go yep. out for another six and another three? Uh, lots of fun was had. I got to tell you, I've done ultra effectives before 100% that weekend, even over just try, just trifecta weekends. That rate, that weekend was the most memorable the most awesome, the most like fulfilling um, weekend I think I've ever had. Race weekend. Yeah, no, I, I agree. <laughs> that uh, it, yeah. it was real strange because Sunday night Joey and I drove back to Atlanta, mm-hmm. and then I flew home Monday night. But the way things worked out, I ended up sitting at the airport for like eight hours that day. There's yeah. a lot of good time for reflection though just sitting there watching planes and thinking back through the race and, and you know even now I'm still not fully decompressed on what what happened that weekend you know it's mm-hmm. just still talking with Juan still you know talking with Nicole and Emma you know I just everybody that was out there that weekend it was just amazing that we all finished everything and uh, mm-hmm. yeah we set out a goal to get the whole team through the weekend, and I have to always give massive respect to Joey for organizing and hurting all of us cats and <laughs> keeping us in line and also just keeping the focus on what was important, and that was, you know, getting the athletes through, but also just getting through and, you know, having a good time, and it was a... Um, a historic weekend, I think, for for more heart than scars, um, in general, and I was so proud to be a part of that. I couldn't even, you know, I I used to see them from afar and think that's really cool, you know. And then I I randomly met Joey one time on a on course in West Virginia, and we became like friends. And then when he found out about Silver Spartans, it just seemed like a natural kind of sister brotherhood I feel like you know I do think you know that I you know I ride the line between the two uh, you know which team am I on and I'll always be a silver spartan because it is my baby but also just you know it's such an important part but I think that more heart than scars to me it's almost like it's the sober sober spartans is like the younger sister (laughs) and I feel like more heart is like the older brother who like once you're growing and maturing your sober story it only makes sense to then turn and offer your service and so that's where the more heart aspect comes in so I do feel like I kind of graduated to that I don't know if that makes sense but um well it, it, it does especially with you know Zach the the founder being a sober Spartan also Mm-hmm. Uh, that really helps solidify that connection between the two groups and and you know part of part of the 12 step theory is, is service and you know getting out there on course and providing service to these people to get them and empower 
to empower an adaptive athlete to do something that they didn't think they could do or that people said they couldn't do. Mm-hmm. You know, every time, it's so hard for me to be out here on the West Coast because like every weekend I've got FOMO. Every weekend Joey's out there racing and, and it's like, man, I could be out there helping. Uh, and, and it's not about I could be out there helping so that I can get accolades. No, it's because I want to be out there to support my athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, when you do these courses, you know, I'm sure you and Erica bonded beyond belief doing that course with her. And, and now you see her out on a course, you're like, oh my gosh, I have to be there. That's my athlete. Mm-hmm. And, and that really is how it feels after you've been out there for three hours, eight hours, 12 hours, 15 hours at the side of this athlete and getting them through it it's there's a lot of FOMO when you get home you can't be out there with them. <laughs> well if it makes you feel any better being in Virginia I'm just north enough that I don't necessarily get you know the like Georgia races and the Florida races um hopefully that will change and I'll be able to actually travel more once school starts or stops once I graduate but it is. It's FOMO, right? They're off doing something every single weekend. And there's yeah. so many athletes that are, um, you know, that they help and, and that participate. And I want to meet them all. <laughs> yep. This last weekend uh, at Murder Creek, they had uh, two of our younger athletes, uh, Jenna and Aaron's daughter. I can't remember her name right now. Um, but they were out on course and uh, I don't know if you saw the, the finish line where, where they got to put the medals mm-hmm. on each other. <laughs> yeah, that and, was, that uh, was, that was good. That was good tears. <laughs> yep. That almost causes them now. So <laughs> yeah. yeah that, and that was, I wasn't ready for that. I will tell you, like I knew good feels and I've known good feels before. I did not expect the amount of happy tears and like, just good feels that were going to be overwhelming me. And it did take days to like understand all of that. And also, you know, just, well, it was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, today's episode was Nicole Campbell and she was talking about just getting home and decompressing from all the love that she felt from mm-hmm. that weekend from you know, even on Sunday when she didn't get to race and she just get to sit there and, and talk with everybody and experience it. And, mm-hmm. and for us, the support, I mean, we get to that finish line and, you know, this year it, it's been very different because both Bess and Nicole have started walking the finish line. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you thought that, but, uh, mm-hmm. but that's mm-hmm. something huge because, wow. Well, Bess is less than two years off of a you know, traumatic spinal cord injury, and you know, she's progressing. Yeah. She, in the little bit of time I've known her, she's moving a lot better. You know, she may not be where she wants to be, being a, a former Pilates instructor and super fit and, and able to do everything, but you know, she's, she's moving around better and, and walking, and, and Nicole's the same thing. And, and when you talk to them, it's the empowerment that they got from getting out on course and doing things that people said they couldn't do. So I don't know. I'm rambling. I'm just, <laughs> I'm lost back okay. in my, in my thoughts about the weekend. Cause you know, yeah, it's been a few weeks, but it still feels like yesterday. You know, it's, yeah. Yeah. That was the biggest event that I think I've been at since COVID. Um, because even Atlanta, you know, Atlanta, we had a bigger team. There's 30 plus of us there. But Fayetteville, there was a lot of like team time together at that base camp there and, and traveling on course together and stuff. So um, Atlanta was the first time that we'd ever had three chairs on course at the same time. Oh, so wow. This, this year has been a historic year because that was a first there. And then we had a first for the ultra. Mm-hmm. You know, we had three chairs on course that day, too technically because uh you know we had beast's chair erica's chair and then Bess was out doing the the beast mm-hmm. so yeah i mean this whole Pretty year amazing. so amazing <laughs> one after another but uh, we're well over an hour 
and and honestly we could probably go for two or three hours yeah we could (laughs) but for my lunch break i should probably try to actually go act like i'm working again (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I got another I got another Zoom call. I've been on Zoom all day for school. Um yep. thankfully our teacher is letting us do it all on Zoom because uh gas prices are so high and we have so yep. many people coming from like across the state to come to class, you know, since it's one of the prestigious programs in the state. Uh yep. so in order to accommodate, she's been doing it all on Zoom, which is great. But then I've been on on my computer from nine in the morning until one. And then yep. I took a quick walk in between <laughs> and then uh, you and I talking and then now I got another call at three thirty. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. Anyway, anyway, um, s- side note, I wanted to, um, this isn't necessarily an advertised thing and I don't know what's going to happen with the whole Asheville, whether it's going to happen or not, but um, Zach and I were talking a week or two ago. And he wants to do a sober Spartan retreat at headquarters. Yeah. Well, all that being said, I know you're not going to, you're not planning on Asheville, but it would be cool if you were able to come. Um, and if not, maybe if, if it goes well, maybe uh, Zach will be kind enough to offer an annual sober Spartan retreat or something, or we could do something. I know a big a big part of the plan with redeveloping headquarters there was to be able to host uh, more events like that, retreats for adaptive athletes, and to to include the Silver Spartans. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll keep looking forward to that and uh, and get some time out at uh, home base soon. I like it. Thanks for listening to Silver Spartans on the BeastNet podcast. Please remember to be respectful of the guests on the show and their level of anonymity. Episodes of Sober Spartans will air the last Sunday of the month and are open to the public to listen to. If you hear this and feel like you need help, don't be afraid to reach out. Find us on Facebook at Sober Spartans or email me at beastnetpodcast at gmail.com. We're here for you.